0: Let's bow once more uh, before we open up the word of God together this morning. Gracious Father, we do, uh, again, pause uh, to gather our hearts and our minds, uh, Lord, uh, contrary to uh, what much of the world would tell you uh, to do in emptying your mind, Lord, you tell us to to think and to engage our mind, to uh, hold every thought captive. Uh, do that according to your word and so father as we uh, spend these few moments together uh, at the beginning of this new week we ask that you would uh, just continue to reinforce what we know that you would even teach us things that we don't know uh, and that your spirit would give us the ability to see how uh, each and every one of these truths uh, for believers uh, as well as uh, a call to unbelievers are are things that uh, pertain to Uh, the very most important thing uh, in all of this world, uh, and that is uh, knowing the Redeemer, uh, Jesus Christ, your Son. And we pray these things in his name. Mm -hmm. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning uh, or have your uh, phone, if that's where you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1 as we continue on in our study. Uh, As you can see, it's part 9 of God's sovereign plan of salvation. Uh, Because we're in this section here, uh, starting in verse 3, that goes through verse 14. Uh, And today, uh, we're going to be looking at the first uh, phrase uh, in verse 7, which I read earlier. uh, And I'll read once again as we begin our time. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood. And that's what we're going to speak to today. Um, As you remember, verses 6 through 12 of uh, this uh, section in the book of Ephesians is in relation to the blessings of salvation, which come and become ours through Jesus Christ the Son. Uh, And so today we're going to look at another word that we're given in relation to salvation. Uh, And as we we continue on in this study, uh, you know, don't immediately just tune out because uh, much of what we've been studying is in relation to God's sovereign plan of salvation. Because each and every word gives us a different picture, gives us a different aspect in which we can understand that beautiful gift of salvation. And so I would like to begin by asking the question, what is redemption? Because we need to understand uh, what redemption is. Uh, And for those that are believers here today, uh, Lord willing, you will step away from uh, today having a greater appreciation for what Christ has done in redeeming you. Uh, And for those that maybe do not know Jesus Christ, uh, that you will understand your need of a redeemer. Uh, And so as we take a look at what redemption is, uh, we go back to uh, the Greek, where it is actually a compound word here. That is translated redeemer in your English translations. Uh, it's the word oppo, which means off, uh, and the word uh, lutron, which means to loose. Uh, and so by definition, the word redemption is a ransom or price paid for redeeming captives. And so you need to understand and look at yourself. At, at one point, uh, for those that are believers here today, you were a captive, For those that do not know Jesus Christ, you are still a captive. Uh, And this word here, uh, redemption, or uh, through his blood, goes on to mean loosing them from their bonds and setting them at liberty. And so in order to understand redemption and understand that there needs to be a redeemer, you need to understand that you are a captive apart from God. And we know as we've studied uh, that, uh, you know, we're a captive. We are slaves to sin apart from God. And that word Lutron was especially used in relation to freedom from slavery. And see, the thing is, as you look at maybe your life before Christ, or if you are here today, or and you, you see others that are living in this world, uh, some of which have no hope at all, Uh, you take a look at them, and you don't realize often that they are a slave. Uh, And we don't, you know, in our culture today, slavery is kind of a hot, you know, button topic. But the the fact is, is that from a spiritual aspect, as we look at who we are and why we were created, uh, we find ourselves, apart from God, slaves. And what Jesus does through his work on the cross through his blood as we sung about this morning is that he uh frees us when we put our faith and trust in him he he uh, redeems the captive he helps me to be able to see things from through a spiritual lens and so you have to understand audience wise this would have really hit home because in paul's day the roman empire had millions of slaves And so for him to be using this and remember that, you know, Ephesus is a, you know, you know, basically a center of, uh, you know, commerce and trade where people from all over would come into that area. That as he speaks to this redemption that we have in Christ through his blood would have spoken volumes to those that would have been living in maybe as a slave in a slave culture or to those that that own slaves. So who is the one providing the redemption? might be a simplistic question, and you probably already know the answer. But, you know, we need to see, as Paul wrote this book to uh, uh, the believers in Ephesus, that he uses repetition often to drive home a point. Because even as you look at our culture today, there are those who believe that salvation is, uh, you know, know, you're able to attain that, to, to grab hold of it apart from Jesus Christ. You know, either through good works or from going to church or, you know, through other things that man will bring in, thinking that man knows best when we need to go to the truth of the word of God. And you remember in our introductory time together, I told you, that one of the phrases that's repeated over 20 times in the book of Ephesians is in Christ or in him. And that is important for us to understand that there is redemption in no other person other than the Lord Jesus Christ. No good works, not doing good for others, not thinking of others above yourself. Jesus Christ is the only way. And if you look there, all of the first seven verses... All speak to Jesus. Each one of them, whether by exact name or, you know, as it says in verse one, in Christ Jesus, or verse two, uh, where it speaks of Christ Jesus. Verse three says, "Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ." Verse four, even as He chose us in Him. Verse five, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Verse six with which he has blessed us in the beloved, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 7, which we find ourselves today, it says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption. So are you getting the point that Paul is driving home to his audience right there is a point that we need to drive home today, because there are many people that are deceived into thinking that salvation is, is possible through other avenues, through other ways, or just hoping that when they do die, that, you know, if there is a God, that he will look kindly upon them. And see, that's those who live without hope. They live every day in a mental gymnastics, wondering whether I measure up or not. And Paul is saying, you don't have to worry about that, because salvation belongs to God, because it's in Christ. And so he's repeating it so many times for us to understand that Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. You don't need to go anywhere else. You go to him for redemption. See, he paid the price for our release from sin and death. He redeemed us, those that were captive to our sin. He loosed our bonds and set us free. He gave us spiritual liberty to worship God in spirit and in truth. And if you remember back to the Christmas series that I did in the book of Ruth uh, last year, Remember, we talked about the kinsman redeemer uh, as we took a look at, at Boaz. You, as you take a look at this, Jesus is the eternal kinsman redeemer. Let me refresh your memory, because as you take a look at what a kinsman redeemer did, there are four aspects that speak to the kinsman redeemer. The first is he had to be a family member. Well, you sung about it this, this morning. Who is Jesus? Emmanuel. Right. God with us. John 1 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Grace that salvation is through him alone. And that's the truth. But there's a second thing that the kinsman redeemer has the ability to do is he had the power to buy back family members out of slavery. Well, Jesus frees us from our slavery to sin, breaking the power of sin and death. Listen to what Paul penned in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that, so in other words, there's a purpose in that, that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. See, he was victorious over death. You sung that this morning. Verse 10 goes on to say, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Third, the Kingsman Redeemer had the power to buy back lost land. And you need to understand, when we're enslaved to sin, heaven is not our home. This earth is, and everything that this earth you know uh you know values but we know that jesus went to go prepare a place for us to prepare a place in heaven for those who put their faith and trust in him Listen us know what it says in john chapter 14 verses 1 to 3 let not your hearts be troubled believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms and if it were not so would i have told you that i go to prepare a place for you it's a rhetorical question no he would not and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, it's surety. There's no, no iffy language there. There's no, you know, if you do this, then. It's all based in Christ Jesus. And lastly, the kinsman redeemer had to be willing to redeem. Because as you know, the first kinsman redeemer that was closer than Boaz chose not to redeem Ruth. But Jesus Christ was willing to redeem. We're going to celebrate that today as we take this communion meal. He was willing to give his life. It says in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus, as the Redeemer, the one providing redemption for those who put their faith and trust in Christ, shows us beautifully that he fulfills everything in relation to the kinsman Redeemer that we read about in the Old Testament. And something that the Jews would have understand very, you know, clearly. But he's not just a kinsman redeemer. He is the kinsman redeemer. Because as you notice, he is the eternal kinsman redeemer. Because once it's redeemed, it doesn't need to be redeemed again. There's no one that's going to take that person and put them back in the set of circumstances they found themselves. Once we've been freed from being slaves to sin, we will no longer be a slave to sin. That doesn't mean we don't struggle with sin. It doesn't mean that we don't have to confess our sin as we do end up choosing to disobey God in our redeemed state. But the fact is, is that our salvation is eternally held by Jesus Christ. Man cannot undo it. That's why it says, you know, Jesus says, that, all that the Father has given to me, I lose none. Because God, Jesus has got you. Well, who are the recipients of this redemption? Based off of that uh, section there in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Well, if you go back in our context once again, in verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And then here in verse 7, in him we have redemption. So who is it that is the recipient of this redemption? Those that Jesus Christ has bought with his precious blood. Those that, as we have, you know, started out this journey in Ephesians chapter 1 that we know is before the very foundation of the world. There has been no time in eternity where God did not know who Jesus Christ would buy and pay and release from the captivity of sin and redeem them. He knows us by name, and he has known us since eternity. But the thing is, as we take a look at our world, as we take a look even at, at our own journey Uh, For those that have put their faith and trust in in Christ, it is only when someone realizes their real condition before a holy God that they will see their need for a redeemer. How many people do you talk to, well, I'm not really all that bad of a person. You know, God can overlook these things and and I'll be okay. Well, is that what a holy God will do? Is that what a thrice holy God will do? Well, the answer to that question is no. No. See, it's not until man sees his natural condition to see that he is enslaved to sin, that he has a a deceitful heart, full of and accustomed to evil, that he has no fear of God, but instead it has outright hostility toward him, that he is spiritually dead and therefore unable to accept spiritual things. And see, the only way that that's going to happen is by the Spirit of God beginning to work that work of regeneration, to begin to open up their eyes to spiritual truth. Because man will embrace, as he is a, a slave to sin, every lie, everything that pulls away glory from God so that they find themselves, you know, in that jail cell, as I shared with you before. See, sin is man's jailer. And the only one who has the ability to redeem and to change that, there's, there's no escaping out of jail because you're a slave to it. Matter of fact, you love it. It's what defines you. Everything you live for, everything that uh, pertains to self is what sin has in relation to a hold. And there's only one way that that can be undone. Only one way by which things can change. See, Jesus needs to be the redeemer to pay the ransom that is due for each and every one of us to free us from that sin of jail, or that jail of sin Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says who gave himself this is speaking of Jesus for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works So Jesus gave himself, he died on that cross, so that as we do in remembrance of him, remembering his body and his blood, we see redemption in its clarity. Which brings us to our next point, because who is the one providing redemption? Jesus is. Who are the recipients of this redemption? Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Third is how much does this redemption cost? Because it costs something. You know, it is a free gift to us, but it costs something. Because we give our sin, which we are enslaved to, to God, because Jesus Christ is the one who, as it says in our text, in him we have redemption through what? His blood. See, that was the cost. The sinless son of God shed his blood so that we may have redemption. I like what Charles Spurgeon said in relation to this, and this is key because we need to see this in its entirety. He says, observe, it is not redemption through his power, it is through his blood. It is not redemption through his love, it is through his blood. See, as we do this in remembrance of him today, we are remembering his body and his shed blood. He gave his life. See, when we think about redemption, when we think about salvation, you know, uh, did God love the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? Absolutely. But you know, as beautiful as that verse is, you have to remember that it was through the shedding of Jesus's blood that we have redemption. See, Jesus paid our debt to the Father. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and following. You know verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 goes on to say, and are justified or declared righteous by his grace as a gift. See, that removes anything that man can do. It's not about being good. It's not about doing five steps. There's no good work you can do that will earn you redemption before the Father apart from Jesus and his blood. So and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now that big word propitiation is not a word that you probably have a, a immediate vocabulary definition for. But see propitiation beautifully shows us in two different aspects what this redemption looks like. See, propitiation is an appeasing of God's wrath on our sin because whether you realize it or not, as someone who is a slave to sin, there is God's wrath upon you because sin is rebellion against God's law. It is a rebellion against God. And apart from some type of intervention on behalf of God... You are under God's wrath. And trust me, if you spend any time reading the word of God, you do not want to be under God's wrath. Is God loving? Yes, he is. But his wrath is also just and right and holy. Because he is the one who has been wrong. He is the one who has been offended by our sin and our rebellion against him. Well, propitiation is appeasing of that wrath as the one who was offended, but it's also our reconciliation to him. In other words, being declared righteous, because as we read there, it's, you know, it is to show his righteousness because God cannot ignore his righteousness. He cannot ignore his holiness. And so what did God do? What he did before the very foundation of the world is he set into motion what would appease his wrath on our sin And reconcile us to him. And guess who that is? Jesus. And him alone. So it is to show his righteousness at the present time, which we can even say right now, because the gospel has not changed. The gospel was set in motion before he even created. So that he might be just and the justifier. So in other words, so that God in his righteousness is doing the right thing as the one who sees all things, that has all knowledge. You know, he's not going to misstep. He's not going to misjudge. But also the one who has the power through his son, Jesus Christ, to declare us righteous. See, that's why salvation belongs to God. It's his. Man cannot save himself. Only God can save and only through jesus christ can we have redemption and it's only through his shed blood that that happens see jesus secured eternal redemption we read about this in the book of hebrews chapter 9 starting in verse 11 he says but when christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with human hands not of this creation He entered once for all into the holy place. So instead of there being a a high priest that would enter into the tabernacle through, you know, into the holy of holies once a year to make a, a, you know, atonement for sins. That does not need to happen because Jesus Christ once for all went into that holy place because he was the sinless son of God. He was that lamb that shed his blood. So he had the authority, as he said, to lay down his life. He has the authority to go into the Holy of Holies because he is God's son. He is God. And it says here, not by means of the blood of goats and calves. So everything in the Old Testament was looking forward to that moment when Jesus Christ would become Emmanuel and put on human flesh to walk amongst us. To ultimately shed his blood for our redemption. But by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. I love that. Think about that for a moment. Jesus Christ shedding his own blood as the sinless Son of God, thus securing an eternal redemption. There's nothing you can do to mess up salvation. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are secured eternally thank you someone said amen Amen. that's a beautiful truth that's why we don't live as those who have no hope we have hope because we know who our salvation is based in it's in christ that's why they sang a new song think about that in relation to the context of revelation chapter 5 verses 9 and 10 And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. See, that's why they sang a new song, because Jesus Christ gave his blood and ransomed a people. As we think about our missionaries being here, there are people in Belgium that need the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's another nation that will be represented in eternity, who benefit from the Son of God being the only one worthy to open that scroll. Well, let me close. Because as we think about this redemption we have through his blood. As we prepare for communion this morning, there's another word that ends up using, and we've kind of been using them interchangeably here uh, in our, our text this morning and as we even sung this morning, because the word Lutron can also be translated ransom. And we can see that, and in, in I'll give you two examples here. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom, for many, that's the same Greek word there it is translated ransom. First Timothy chapter two verses five and six: For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Which is the testimony given at the proper time. So these words are, you know, as it's translated in their context, uh, are interchangeable here in using the word ransom. Now, I don't know how well you know your history, but you probably know King Richard I. Or if you don't know which one of the Richards that was, that was Richard the Lionheart. And you remember, he was the one that, you know, was, you know, pushing forth in the Crusades throughout the Holy Land. Well, uh, as you look at the history of what happened there on one of his Crusades, on his way back to England, he was captured by Leopold the Fifth. Uh, who was Duke of Austria. Uh, and once he was captured by Leopold V, he was handed over to emperor, the emperor, Henry VI, you know, keep all those right, the fifth, the sixth, who demanded a ransom for Richard's release. And so the price was set at 150,000 marks, which in that day was a tremendous sum of money of course the crusades cost a lot of money to begin with and so this ransom was put over Richard's head and so they had to raise through taxation and donations that 150,000 marks and after many months the ransom was paid and king richard was released but you know that's where we get the phrase a king's ransom so as you think about jesus christ who is the king of kings he paid the ultimate ransom for our sins because he paid that ransom through his blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And this morning as I was going over my, my sermon before, uh, uh, earlier this morning, uh, the text in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 came to mind as I was going over my sermon for the last time before preaching it to you this morning. And it fits well right here as we think about Jesus Christ, the king of kings, paying the ultimate ransom for our sins. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. See, Jesus Christ Paid the ultimate ransom, a ransom that you can put no, you know, monetary value to. There's not enough money, and nor will there ever be enough money. That is worthy of the King of Kings. But Jesus humbled Himself, taking on the form of a servant, taking on flesh, dwelling among us, so that He would offer Himself as that once-for-all sacrifice. You know, doing away with there being a need of a high priest any longer to go into the Holy of Holies. See, that's why he's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, it's only Jesus.